part of uh, usually, I, I know not usually, I know everyone in this room, no matter the age, have asked, what am I going to be like when I grow up? Uh, some of us are even asking that even after. You, you, by the way, this question goes on when you're 30, you're 40, you're 50. There are areas we need to grow up in no matter how old we are, right? And what am I going to be when I get my attitude under control? What am, what am I going to be when my emotions don't always win? What am I going to be? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's always a time to grow. And as when you're little, you probably said some stuff like, I can't wait till I get old enough to buy my own food. I'm going to eat dessert every day. Right? And, and you're realizing, like, that ain't the way it works. Because you can do that every day, but you won't be around for a lot of days. Uh, and then you start to realize that you've matured. Right? And there are some things that mature people do that aren't cute that kids can do. Right? And we see a lot of adults that try to act like kids, and it's just not cute. It's not. It's not, not cute at all. And so we're like, man, you got to grow up. At some point, you got to quit acting like a baby when you, things don't go your way. Uh, and so God is, is ready for that question. He's already established us in that foremost and for being that you've already been set up. And he sees you as this mature not letting circumstances get to you. He sees you already as beyond the circumstances and saying, man, I know what you're going to be when you grow up. I, I know you grew up in a poor household. I know you grew up without it. I know that, that whatever, how long it took for you to get $5, your children won't take that long to get that. And you all know, some of us who are adults who are not caught, caught completely up in where we've gotten to have not forgotten where we used to be. 
all right? When it used to be tough, when you used to hallucinate about change being in the street and it was just a flashed out bottle top and you thought that was a nickel and you, come on now, act like you've been there. Now you got nickels laying on the floor, right? And who left that down there? Now we snobby, right? Um, but our kids are asking that and our kids are rebelling because they don't know what they're going to be when they grow up. I mean, you know what they're going to be. You know what they're going to be if their room doesn't get clean. You know what they're going to be if they don't do their homework. They're going to be beat down. That's what they're going to be. The area of future is right there. But then when we come home and we act like we don't know what we're going to be when we come home from work and we're, we're, we're bringing it, you know what I mean? So we got it. It works both ways. Amen. So arrive before the journey. Arrive. Know how to be there before you get there. Amen. Act like you where you're going instead of where you've been and where you are. You know what I mean? Like it, it's got to be that point where you act like where you are are going to be, and, and, and instead of acting like well, this is where I am. Because if you just stay with where you are and where you've been, you're going to quit on where you're supposed to be going, and you'll never arrive. So in First John chapter three, verse one through two, it says, "Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us." that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, or what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Father, I thank you for the revelation of our eyes, revelation of the vision in our hearts, that we can be consumed in our mind and in our actions. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we begin to look like right now what you've called us to be. That you've said in Romans 4, 17, I call those things that be not as though they already are. You've already labeled and identified us as people of finishers, purposed. And we gather it together in Jesus' name. Everybody say, amen. It's a cool thing if you, verse 1 and verse 2, if you circle these verses, and whenever you feel like you're unworthy, that's exactly what the verse is saying. How dare God, you call us sons of God. How can we actually be sons of the most high God? Why would you give us such a place? I'm going to mess up your place. And God is like, man, I got scotch guard carpet. You can't spill enough of your situation to, for it to stick in my place. I am covered. And then the other good thing, it says, I have not yet appeared. Now, a lot of people use this as that God, I'm under construction. Well, you need to be built somewhere. Right? I'm so tired of hearing that from believers. Oh, God's still working on me. Ain't he working on us all? But some places, you should have arrived. You may not know when your next promotion, but you should have been potty trained. By, come on now. We should, we should not still be changing your diaper. Right? But, but we use that as an excuse. You know, what I used to do as, as a little young baseball player, I, I would get to the games early, uh, mainly because my ride left two hours before the game started, and I had to be there early and watch everybody else. But what I would focus on was the parent who was most involved with their kid and who was going to be the loudest, meanest parent if something went wrong with their kid. And that would be the kid I would throw the first pitch at his head to get the parent riled up. And she would distract him so much by, you, uh, you better get him out, you better not hit my brain. And I would do it on purpose. I would, I would light up the crowd in a negative way and have her yelling at the umpire, and the little boy was distracted. I could throw the next three pitches right there. He struck out every single time. It never failed that when parents don't act right, neither will their kids perform. 
Never, and I was a little bit, I remember, I remember my uncle who was a, a drug dealer, and, 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 but he told me, he says, go after the kid whose parent is too involved, who just making a bunch of noise and going to act, hit that kid first. And I would, I would get there and I'd go, okay, it's number. And I'd write his number down. And my coach like, what are you doing? I'm nothing, coach. And once I threw him, and she would yell, she'd stand at the gate, and, and I can't tell you the words that she called me because we in church, and she's standing, oh, yeah, you better not hit my baby, you better not. Now, I'm this tall. Now, her baby could have been gigantic, but because she was so invested, and, and once they removed them from the stadium, the kid was lost. Now, granted, you might say, that's, that's playing rude. Well, playing rude is not being tall enough. Now, go with that. I was already under stature. I needed some advantages. And sometimes the devil will set people off around you and make you quit performing your faith. And it can even work vice versa, where he'll set the kid off, and the parent is so invested, they're not even thinking. And what you have to do is maintain your position, all right? Maintain your position. And, and, and I, I remember I was thinking about that this morning. I thought that used to be so funny to me, because I would, I would play with my glove over my face, because I was laughing at them. And I would be like this the whole time while she was screaming at this umpire. And once they escorted her out, the kid was useless. Because they let their emotions get the best of them. His ability never could come into play. I, I want to call us out of our emotions. Because, see, you'll never know your ability because you lost your availability. Right? And, and, and it'll cause you out. You'll let someone trick you into being distracted because they got some scheme, some plan. And, and, and now my, my other uncle, who was gigantic, my, 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 my stepfather, which I hate calling my stepfather, my dad's brother, but he was gigantic, big booming voice. He was a truck driver. He would drive in every, every Saturday morning about 8 a.m., and he was a great golfer, and my baseball field was where he played golf. But he was so big, and he was so black, and he was so loud that it scared the kids when he would be out there. He was country. Hey! Look at my boy. Look at my boy. Throw another. And he would laugh, and he'd be so country and loud. The other kids would just shake when they came up to bat. That's where and he would be imitating me as I did. Loved it. Loved it. Sometimes we don't celebrate our kids enough. And since my parents had to work, he would come and celebrate. And his kids didn't play because his kids were in trouble. He needed someone to celebrate. I needed a fan. Sometimes you're going to be there for somebody else's kid. And then you're not always there just for your own. And he was my audience, and, and I was his child. And he would brag about me at parties and stuff where it was uncomfortable because his own kids would be there. Now, they might be high, but they were there. So he couldn't say none of them. They weren't even in the room consciously. But, but in, in, in the same sense that there are times where things have to be picked up. So got to know your future. So we are moving under the authority of God. And what we, what we said in the very first message was, God, wherever your presence goes, that's where I want to go. If you're not going, I don't want to go. So we're moving under the presence of God. That means God has got the future already taken care of. He's already got us positioned where we need to be. How are we going to be in 10 years in our marriage? Let me tell you one thing you will not be. You will not be divorced. Right? Because you're going to walk with God. Well, how do you know? I know because you're going to stay with God. And if you try to get divorced now, then we know you, we're going to kill you. To go where he goes. Which means that at the end, we are going to look like him. How many are ready to look like Jesus? Like, man, I'm, I'm so like... Am I going to be taller? Am I going to have flowing hair? What, what, what is it going to be like? 
But one thing I need to know is that I can look like God right now, and that's my obedience to him. If I really want to look like God, I'll look like him in his word, because in the beginning was the word, word was God, word was God. God blesses us with his face when we walk under his grace. So I'm, I'm blessed with the face of God because I've walked under the grace of God. People can see me smile. People can see me happy. People can see me delivered. People can see me set free because of the grace. So it's, it's great to know as a believer that we have no idea how it is going to happen. That's the cool part. God, I know I'm going to have a future. I just don't know how I'm going to have a future. I know I'm going to be still around in 20 more years. I just don't know how. I'm, it's the dangerous part is to hear so many church people not even want to be around. And then once the future arrives, they don't know how to be there because they've never been there. Two types of people, dreamers and realists, right? Realists know where they're going. Dreamers have already been there, right? And sometimes you have to be a dreamer. And then people come around, those realists, look, you're not successful now, but that don't mean I haven't seen success. That don't mean I haven't seen greatness. It means I can't be great. So we just know where we're going, that we're going to be like him. That's all I know in the end. I'm going to look like Christ. I'm going to be just like Christ. Uh, Knowing our ending helps us push through the tough times during the journey. It says, while the joy was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. He endured. Why? Because I make it to the cross, I die, I get resurrected. I know they're spitting on me. I know they're pulling out my beard. I know they're doing all kind of stuff with me, but I'm still headed in that direction. I know we don't always get along as a couple, but we're going to stay together. Because we have an ending in sight. I know you don't like me right now because you done got your teen demon in you as a child, but uh, we're going to be okay. Right? Because they live in the demonic of the devil. And, and what's happening is, is their destiny is trying to fight for them. And they don't understand it. And so they're trying to fight you while the destiny is fighting for them. I, I know, I, I know, I know it's tough. I know it's tough to hear that. But what? Changed from this innocent, like most parents say, they were innocent and they were so beautiful. What happened to them? (laughs) Right? And the kid is looking at them. I used to like them. What happened to my parents? Like, well, one thing changed, and and it was a simple thing. Eem. Eem came in. Eem. Eem. Used to be nine, used to be 10, used to be 11. To be 12, and now 13. And you know what happens when Ian gets in there. I mean to clean it up. I mean to do it. And they're making you mean. Look at the parents of such celebrating this. The kids are like, I hate Family Sunday. Look, look, right? <laughs> 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 Got to be up in here. He always picking on us. No, no, no. It's, it's the same way, too, because some of them never lived out their Eans either. Right? And they still are, are doing things that are having grudges against your child. Because they got on your nerves hours ago. Like, I wanted to blow up our house on before church. Let me tell you how spiritual I was. Because my dude put his poppers in late for the bake sale for the church. And I said, Miracle, how much time? She says, 13 minutes. It's 10 o'clock. I went, ooh, Ooh. No, no, it was, it, no, it was five minutes till, or ten minutes till. She goes, 13 minutes, 13 minutes. That means after 10. We take them out after 10. He just said that they ain't ready. I said, bring them. So the bacon ain't cooked. Okay? The poppers are here, but the bacon ain't cooked. But we're gonna, we weren't going to lose our joy over the bake sale. Amen? 
We all came together, put them in the car. We got to get here when we get here. And then, I mean, you heard an extra song. You heard the song twice. But praise God, you should know it now. Amen. And there's so many little things. And, and, and as I was getting like that, I was sitting in my room waiting. And one of our favorite movies came on, Ratatouille. Love Ratatouille. I don't know why I enjoy that nasty rat cooking food. That would never happen in the real world. He got his feet all over the stuff, and he must, and I'm like, why would I eat that? Right, and I love that, and I'm just sitting there enjoying ratatouille. God says, do you see your future preaching? Can, you, can I show you what it's going to look like today? And I go, can you hurry them papas up? Can you make the pepper papas get quick cooked? And he says, so I need you to see what it's going to be like. And so he showed me before I ever got here. And I thought that was cool. So our ending, it helps us get through the tough times. Tough time. You would never have given up on your diet if you kept your ending in place. Right? You'd never. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Okay. See, y'all didn't like that one. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says this. I will put enmity. Between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Or you can say he'll put an enemy. He'll put this whole big fight. There's a gaunt, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, what do you call those things? There's a rivalry that God has made between the enemy's seed and Satan's seed. He's made a rivalry right up hand. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, I, I saw something interesting uh, and, and, and disgusting at the same time. And there was these people who were putting these posts on, on, on Facebook or social media about there was once a resurrection in Egypt. And, and what they were saying was because it was a, an Egyptian resurrection that did happen. And, and they said, that well, they're still in our story. That this resurrection was the real resurrection. These are Christians, mind you. And, and my statement was, because you don't get in arguments over social media, it's not worth it. I'm just thinking about it, that uh, did he, is that person that died, is he out of the ground or is he still in it? Because that, that's where you can settle an argument right there. Because he never got up. He wasn't no different than the rest of us. So that wasn't no story to be stole. He's still in there. Like God bestowed upon you, ain't no bestowal in that. that. That's not worth it because that story is everywhere. But there's only one that died and resurrected. And a lot of times what we don't understand is that God has already set this future in motion. He says, I'm going to put an enemy between you and the devil. That's why when I see you running with him, that doesn't make sense to me. Because y'all are enemies. He's going to ultimately wait till you turn your back. And he's going to get you in it because you think you're friends. It's like that one guy that from San Francisco thought he could be friends with a rattlesnake. And put it up to his face and it bit him. Because that's what rattlesnakes do. I love how y'all are shaking your head. I love it that you're shaking your head. Because I'm about to tell you the snake you play with. And he's up there like this. And it bit him in the face. It cost him $100,000. Because he put so much venom in him that they ran out of venom, uh, anti-venom. And another they had to fly some in just to save his dumb self. <laughs> These are God's creatures. Well, he, that's why he put it on his belly. You can't play with everything. See, I got roses on my shirt. Son, I got roses on his shirt. We're just trying to be flowers today. After the fall, God moved all of mankind 
through life. He moved them through, man, he, he moved them through life. And, and it says, in, and if you read about the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews 11, it talks about people who never saw the ending, never saw the blessings that they lived for. They never saw it in their lifetime, but they lived for it for the next lifetime. You may be living for the blessings of your grandkids. You may be living for the blessings of your great-grandkids. You may be living for that blessing because God has shown you a vision of what you have. And when am I going to be blessed? Well, he's setting you up so that the next generation says, leave an inheritance for your children's children. You leave an obedience inheritance. And he does want you to leave a financial inheritance, but it won't matter if you leave all the money in the world for people who don't know the obedience of God who has no representation of God, who has nothing to spring from, right? Some of you guys had to jump in the church from the very bottom because you were never taught anything. And then you came into a church like this, which was labeled a cult at some point, just because we didn't act like everybody else. And now you start to learn, okay? And you have to get past the condemnation of, I wish I would have started sooner. But God knew now what he knew then. Right, he knew where you would be, so you have to go ahead and get over that part. So he, he set it in place back in Genesis. Here's the future. Mankind is going to be saved. They're going to have to go through some stuff, but there are, they are saved already. I've already delivered them. I've already delivered them. When, wouldn't you just like for God to show you the ending sometime? Like, that's how a lot of us read books, ain't it? Like, I'm going to read a book from start to finish in that order. Sometimes we have to say it that way. And quit peeking along the head. Because sometimes we get ahead of ourselves. Remember we said that in, in the couples class and, and the women got mad because I talked about who are more committed, men or women. And the women said, the women are. And I go, no, you're not. Because women go down fantasy lane. While the man just trying to be a friend. He don't even know how to get this part right. But you done drug him to the aisle. Y'all got kids. You got the car. Y'all got and He's still trying to just be friends. You won't come to the class? We'll bring the class to you. You still trying to be friends. <laughs> And you are inconsistent. You're not, you're, not, you're not committed to that friendship. you committed to marriage. And he's just trying to have dinner. You can't have lunch. We can't get some appetizers. Why we got to get diapers already? Well, I don't understand. Why are you taking out insurance on me? All I'm trying to do is eat at Applebee's. The appetizers are half off. Why are you tripping up here? Why are we done going down and you just don't want no future? No, what I want is my tea to be filled. That's what I want. And we tend to do that with God. God trying to be friends with you. You want, no, God, I need you to do all this right now. Well, no, I ain't going to pay your destructive bills. Because you ain't going to do them and redestroy them. I need you to learn how to be in it. Right? It was tough in there. Just like some of y'all in here like, I'm going to have me a sugar cookie. Well, we got plenty. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this simple. He says, avoid the appearance of evil. Avoid the appearance of evil. Why? Because if I, if I don't avoid the appearance of evil, I'll lose sight of the appearance of God's destiny. Right? And I won't see God's eternity. The appearance of evil can keep you from the appearance of eternity. Right? Because sometimes we go, oh, it's okay. It's not that big a deal if I hang out with this crowd. Well, you're missing out on your eternity. Right? And law enforcement will tell you when they pull a car over and there's drugs in it, they don't just take the driver. Everybody get to go. Everybody get jewelry. Everybody leaves. Everybody, everybody get a room. Casa Ojale. 
right? It, it, and they lock them all up, right? And it's not that it's not that that you weren't wrong, but it's the appearance of evil. Right. And a lot of times we try to go in and out of stuff that appears evil and we forget, man, I got a destiny to take care of. Tell all of our athletes, don't get caught up in that. And not, it shouldn't just be athletes, but we try to tell them because if they appear you with the crowd. Then they're going to say, well, this is a thug, so I may as well look down on it and be straight up honest with you. You need as much favor as possible. As in those things, you have to get yourself away. And, and I was telling you, oh, by the way, those of you guys who were here Wednesday in, in my Fitbit challenge, I, I won. Yeah. Now, now, stop clapping because I have problems. I have issues. Don't I have issues, Justice? There's something wrong with me, right? Well, so, so I'm like, okay, it's Friday. I finally took over the lead. I took a screenshot, which I just learned I could do with my phone by my other son who's teaching me stuff on the phone. This stuff is amazing, right? I like I know how to take a screenshot without trying to dip it down and save it. Anyway, so I had this Fitbit on and steps, and I finally took the lead, so I said to all my family, I'm in the lead. What does that mean? Don't sleep till midnight. See, it's amazing, like some of us are win, but we don't know how to stay ahead. Right? At midnight, I see this this dude is gaining on me. No, it was at 10 o'clock, we we're at the outlet mall. And we're walking around trying to gain some steps. I'm marching like that. Man, I pray to God I'm that kind of pastor. My gosh, God, I thought if I can be like this for a stupid challenge, how, what a great pastor I can be if I, if I fight to win in the steps of God. Like I fought for a stupid challenge for eight people I've never met. I only met one of them. But if I could fight for that and I can be on the treadmill till midnight. I didn't stop. I did not stop. They'll tell you. I was on there. Immediately, once it was midnight, I realized I won by 9,000 steps. <laughs> I, st- I had 44,993 steps in one day. In one day to win a challenge against people I've never met. How much more will your kids get delivered if the pastor will step like that to believe for every one of your children to be saved, every one of them to be delivered and set free? Let me tell you, you got a high stepper in the house and realize we are not quitting till we win. I was so proud of this unnecessary reward. So proud of it. So proud of it. When made me pancakes at midnight. Huh? Sugar-free syrup and everything. I ain't had a glass of milk because milk is dairy, even though eggs are not. I had me some milk, and I had me some pancakes, and I went upstairs, and I passed out on the couch and did nothing yesterday, athletically. And I'm telling you that men, we like to be challenged. That's why we don't like to go in paint stores and furniture stores. Ain't no challenge in there. What do you think of this mattress? Can it hold me? Right. And we're like, oh, the feathers are not right. <laughs> feathers? We used to sleep on pallets. That was the consistency of blankets. You talking about feathers up in here? I didn't know feathers was in there. I thought it was cotton anyway. But if you get up caught up in the appearance of evil, which a lot of people will try to do, they'll lose the appearance of their destiny. An appearance of the person. If you date with the appearance of evil, you're in relationships with the appearance of evil, you cannot see the future of eternity because it appears evil. People have left things too soon because evil showed up in the journey and distracted their view from the ending God has for them. They left too soon. They quit too early. They just gave up. Don't quit too soon. Stay in there. God calls you out. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4 says this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. I can finish that sentence. And whether I go, ye know. And the way, ye know. So not only do you know that he's gone, you know how he went. So that's a lot of times people go, well, I don't know what to do. Read the Bible. That's how he go. And you know the way he go. So you be able to do that. And a lot of times what people don't understand, and we heard some songs, God, I just want to be with my log cabin in, the hev- in heaven. That is not what he said he went to go build. Right? We get these old humble, lying songs, which Andy Griffith was a good show, but Andy Griffith was a confident liar. He always lied in that show. So all he did was lie to Barney to keep his feelings from getting hurt. Emotional roller coaster. Lot of Opie. Couldn't figure out why Opie was lying one day and still in jars of worms. He, he couldn't figure that out. But, but, but he says, I go away to prepare a place. And this is part of a Jewish custom that back in the day, and if you read Matthew 25, I'll give you a little history lesson, a biblical lesson, that Matthew 25, when, when the brides were ready and he came in the middle of the night, because that's when the sons went off to build the house with their father. And they knew that if you let the son go, he's going to throw up some couple pieces of cardboard. He's going to come get the woman. But he had to take his father because he wanted to establish a great house. Because the father didn't want his son to fail in marriage, so he didn't let him go just build some up. He went with him, and he couldn't come back till the father said the house was done. Okay, so he goes off, and he comes back, and then we come back, and he came. Now, now when you want your woman, you want your woman. And, and, and we finished at midnight, the house is good, I'm going back to get her. And he would go into town, and he would blow his horn. And it said the ten brides would, would, would turn on their lamps, those who were ready. Right. And there are some who didn't have oil and then turn it. Can you imagine waiting on your man and then you stop being ready? He show up. And blow the horn and ain't nobody coming. Because you ain't got no oil in you. That's the Bible. Read Matthew 25. OK, anyway, so it's to come back and prepare a place. And then the bride could go with them. But without the place being completed, there was no bride to take it to. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. He says, then I come back to get you. And I'm going to take you, to, but you have your oil ready. See, we got to quit letting the oil leak out because we want to do what we want to do. Right? Well, does that require oil? No. It's cool. We got to play. Guess who said that at my, in my office? The, all the electricity went out. South Austin, somebody hit a pole. So the electricity went out. And so there's no air conditioning. There's no electric. There's no Wi-Fi. There's nothing. And so I went through. Who said that? <laughs> I was doing like, let's play guess who. Guess it was a great game, but people didn't know what I was talking about because they never had their electricity turned off. <laughs> so I was playing it <laughs> by myself because <laughs> these people never experienced dark. And I was very experienced in dark. Right? Hey! Guess who? They're going to play that in, in dark. And, 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 like, they were freaking out, so they kept moving toward the front door. I stayed in the back, like, I can, I can hang out here. Good, I can nap here. Ain't nobody can see me out here. Right, and, and it's amazing how, how people who claim to be so tough when times get rough, right, that, that's supposed to be what you do thick and thin, but they thin out when things get thick. It makes you wonder, right, who, who, what am I dealing with? So, so going with God always has the destination furnished. God has already furnished your destination. You don't have to go pick up no more furnishings. He's furnished your relationship. He's furnished your family. He's furnished your dreams. 
and all you have to do is be willing to move in. He furnished it with his will and direction for us to dwell in. Jesus prepared a place, and remembering what he has prepared will hold us up when things are falling apart. That's what I love, the preparation. So don't worry about what you're going through. Just keep moving toward what God has built for you. So I'm going through a tough time, but God has already built something for you. Keep walking. Now, the stage looks amazing at the new church, but truth be told, the statement I hate, but be honest, another statement I hate because it's supposed to be honest all the time, Ms. Rita will tell you I wasn't interested in the building of the stage. I am interested in the results. I love that this looked beautiful, but you could have put me on a crate. And I know that sounds all wonderful, but I can't preach on a crate, and my wife knows that. I move too much, right? And so when we have to be careful of those who are trying to set us up better while we're trying to tell them, well, you don't, I don't need all that. Yeah, you do. You need them to do it for you just as much as you need it done for you, right? And so they, they need to print it. And I thought, man, that's an amazing-looking stage. But, but I would have got along with this. I have. But God says, that's why I need other people in your life, because you don't even know what you even need yourself. You don't even know your own ending. She knows your ending better than you. Sometimes she knows it too well, because uh, she's always telling me how it's going in. In John chapter 16, verse 30 through 33, I almost got y'all there. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest from God, camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, the revelation the disciples have that said, you surely are God. Jesus said, you are sent a revelation that already existed, because God and me are one. I'm already in God. By the way, you're having this revelation while you're with your Christian friends, but you're about to be scattered. Can you keep the revelation when things don't go your way? Can you keep the revelation when the destination gets jacked up? Can you keep the revelation of, oh, man, you must be from God, or when you don't get your way, can you still keep the revelation that he's from God? Because uh, John the Baptist struggled with you. Surely we will. John the Baptist said, should we wait for another? Maybe he ain't the son of God because I'm locked up for preaching his word. You know, that's a pretty bold statement. Maybe you ain't God. I'm in prison, they're going to cut my head off, but you walking around here healing some woman. What about me, God? And sometimes we have to go before God to understand that I can't just believe he's God when things are going my way. I have to believe he's God when things scatter. So the disciples, their discovery was nothing. So tribulation shouldn't get more emotional furnishing than moving you into your overcoming place, okay? And because we have kids... And because we're at the edge of our seats, wondering if our kids are going to embarrass us. This is cool. This is a great thing, right? right? We're thinking like, man, please don't let my kid embarrass me, right? And you're like, your kid is saying the same thing. <laughs> They're saying the exact same thing. Y'all both praying the same prayer. Y'all should just get together on this. Please don't let my parents embarrass me. Please don't let my kid embarrass me. Oh, my gosh, she embarrassed me. They embarrassed me. Oh, my gosh, the kid embarrassed me. Right? And, and, and we're both praying the same prayer. And, and God is saying, if y'all get together and say, Please lift my child up and please lift my parents up. Because the prayers are effective in both ways. We have to be there for both ends. So, in and, and, and lamentations, all right, 
the, the part, I mean, your Bible's completely stuck together in these verses, so don't even try to turn to them. Like, you, you hear all kind of sounds because it's a book we don't open. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. I, I thought this was a great way to end this sermon. Yes, we're bringing it to an ending. This I recall to my mind, and sometimes you have to remind yourself. Remember, you only remember 50% of what I say to you. You remember 95% of what you say to yourself. So you have to call to your mind, right? I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because the compassion failed not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him. You're about to go to lunch. Be patient. Don't be mad at the servers. Look forward. Don't point people out who just recently got mad at the service. Look this way. Wait for him. To, <laughs> to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. It is both <laughs> good for men to both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Quietly. Quit telling people, man, if I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> that ain't quietly wait. Man, if my kids went in the car. I could go on and on. I, I will find you somewhere. Right? Quietly waiting means that, God, you're going to take care of this. So God's place is worth every good and difficult step we have to go through along the way. Waiting on God, it's worth it. Every good and difficult step, he's worth the wait. We have to be prepared to be, let God uh, be our waiting time. All right? All right. So everybody close your Bible, close your notes. You can almost slump out of your religious look. Now, as your eyes are closed and your head is bowed, realize that God has seen a future. And, and I definitely want to speak to my men, my brothers in here in church, and as we meet with our men's meeting at times and just, just talking about how, we're, how life and we're going to get through life and and, and the plan, and, and those of you who are planners in here who love to have every day calculated, and God ain't cooperating with you because he don't show you everything and you want everybody to see everything, you've seen that God has already set you up for a victorious ending. He's blessed you with an ending. He's blessed you with a time that even though no matter how rough the start was, that what you start with is not what you're stuck with, that God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He's set you up. He's prepared your ending, prepared your best place. But God, I, I had no idea how life was going to turn out. But I do know this. With you, I know I'm going to turn up for your glory, turn up to look like you. And, Father, I just thank you for each and every person here. As we pray, Jesus, man, we got the future is coming at us like a mighty Russian wind. Lord, you called us to the other side of the future. You called us to the other side of the next 10 years. You've already called us over there. You said with long life, will we satisfy you? So Lord Jesus, we just here to satisfy you. And we thank you, Lord God, that we're not going to get discouraged or distracted 
for doing what you called us to do and not want to get to a place where we're saying, I, I'm going to bring this to an end. I'm, I'm going to give up. In the name of Jesus, we stay to see our ending. And as Paul said, Paul painted the picture for us. He said, he saw the Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Receive, receive, receive. As your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, you may have been struggling with the future, may not know what's going to happen. A lot of times people don't know what's going to happen to them when they die, and, and they don't know that, it, you know, what the future looks like. Well, for those of us who are believers, we already know. We already see the house prepared, and, and, and you want to be in that knowing. So you may not have ever accepted Christ, but you're saying, I want to know what it's gonna, what's going to be with my life. When I die, what's going to happen with me? I want to be sure that as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. We want you to be aware of your finish and want you to be aware of your future that God has a place he's already set it up you don't have to be afraid of it we all know we're going we all know that that place has been prepared father I just thank you that we never lose sight of that prepared place every decision made by each and every person here when, when the temptation comes that the greatest vision that we'll see beyond the temptation above the temptation is what God has already set up for us of what God has already built and what God has already prepared. And this thing that is setting in front of us and trying to make us get detoured or get off our course, that God, that you begin to reveal what you've established. Begin to reveal what you've honored us with. That Lord, that more than anything else, I refuse to trade out the goodness of God for the moment of pleasure. I bless you, Jesus. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for showing me the ending that I am blessed and it can't be reversed. We honor you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen, amen. There's a big sale outside.